It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 39. My name is Anthony Lewis. And I'm Aaron DeLosa. Thanks for checking us out on cinemageekly.com, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr, along with iTunes. Uh, all those social networks can check us out at Cinema Geekly. Uh, this is a slow news week this week, but, uh, the, I mean, there was not- definitely some notable stuff, but it was it was kind of a slow news week. Uh, the, the first thing we should talk about, though, Aaron, because you did not get a chance to discuss it last <laughs> week, is the, uh, the casting of Malcolm Tucker as the next Doctor Who, uh, or the Doctor, I should say. He's not the Doctor Who. He is the Doctor. But... Oh, God, I know. God, when people say that, it's just it's the worst thing to hear. But, you know, it's like for <laughs> it's for people who don't really understand that Doctor Who is called the Doctor. And if you just say the Doctor, people might say, like, the Doctor of what? What what show are we talking about here? Right. Thugonomics? Is that the Doctor they're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I don't think they're talking about... <laughs> I don't think they're talking about Jonathan Cena at all, but right. uh, no, I mean, that's why in the, uh, on the website, when I posted that uh, Peter Capaldi was cast, uh, I, I, I put uh, Peter Capaldi is the new doctor and then in parentheses who, right. so that's why people would not be confused as to what I was talking about. If they missed the giant doctor who logo I placed next to the menacing <laughs> picture of Peter Capaldi. Uh, but yeah, man, what are your, what are your thoughts on the casting? Love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, you know, it, this is coming from this first part of uh, of my response is, is coming from a, a very jaded fanboy standpoint. Mm-hmm. It essentially, uh, my wife summed it up pretty good uh, when she said that uh, um, Peter Capaldi, being an, an older gentleman, <clears throat> an established actor, and not really someone who is of the of the David Tennant, Matt Smith ilk, to where he's a young, good-looking guy who can act. It's relatively just a very serious well. actor, relatively unknown, a very serious actor, very unknown to. Um, the American fans is that this will essentially chase out all of the the tween fangirls to see who really loves the show and who is just around just for sort of the uh, the good looking kind of uh, oh the Matt Smith is hot uh, right. fans yes right so this this will be a good way to gauge it um, as far as the casting itself goes I am very excited Th- there was rumblings a few days beforehand that uh, a lot of the bookmakers had him as like as the odds on favorite but in the past it has proven to not be so accurate. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. I mean, you know, as you said, Malcolm Tucker. I mean, anything he's done, he's been in Doctor Who, uh, The Fires of Pompeii. Uh, he was very memorable in that episode. Yes. Uh, during the David Tennant, uh, you know, <clears throat> Catherine Tate run. So yeah, it's uh, it's very good. And I like when he came out too. If you notice how he was holding the lapels of his jacket. Mm. Yes. Very much like uh, you know earlier iterations of the Doctor. So he already hit a, a bit of a smirk to him. I don't want to use the word swagger, but for lack of a better term, I'll use it. He, he was kind of. Like you know, just had a, a definite strut to him when he yes. came out. You know, I think he he was very much enjoying the the reveal. And my only my only hope is that we know Stephen Moffat hates releasing shit. Is that this isn't the biggest you know ploy ever? Is that here's your doctor, but then it turns out like it's going to be you know someone we never considered. Like right now, people are focused on Peter, Peter Capaldi, but when the when Matt Smith actually regenerates. It could be someone else. Like that's my fear is that Stephen Moffat is like, you know what? Fuck you, world. I'm right. gonna do what I want to do. So I'm gonna throw you this fish over here to the right as I'm sneaking, you know, with the left, the actual the actual doctor. So right. Uh, have you, now for some, I, I guess there's some fun tidbits that are surrounding this casting as well. Did you see? I we posted the. Uh, I, I know they talked about it on the on the live special, 
but uh, somebody, somebody, the letter awesome, he wrote. Yeah, somebody awesome on the internet actually found the uh, the piece in the paper and, uh, and JPEGged it and threw it up on the interwebs, and we got about got it up on the on the Facebook page. I just think it's refreshing to have yet another person playing the Doctor who was clearly a, a big fan of the show growing up. Absolutely. Um, I, I should I should note it was uh, I'm guessing I'm, I don't know what the story is behind this, but I'm guessing. Uh, maybe you could enlighten me. I don't know if you know any more than I do, but it, it looks like it was like some students in a school built a Dalek for fun, I guess. Right. Th- th- that's what I understood about the story, yeah. And uh, he basically wrote uh, wrote a letter into, uh, I, I want to say the Times, um, but it, it could have been another, it could have been another paper, but basically he was just talking about how, um, uh, you know, that, that was so awesome. Maybe this will inspire other schools to do it or whatever. Uh, and the, 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 the key thing, which I, I think is ironic and, and adorable, uh, he says, but I, I hope that in 15 years time in 1988, <laughs> uh, you will publish another special to celebrate 25 years of the wanderer in time or wandering in time with the doctor, Peter Capaldi, age 15 from Glasgow. Uh, that's awesome because he's going to debut in the 50th anniversary yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's amazing. Um, I mean, he was such a fan. Apparently, he wrote in so much fan mail. They eventually just started recognizing his name because he just really like that. They, they say uh, in an interview, I think it was on the the Daily Mail website, was yeah. that uh, he literally just badgered them. Like that's the word they use. That he badgered them, just wrote them so much. They're just like, oh my Christ! Like we gotta we gotta do something about this little maniac. And just then, publish one of these things and get him to shut up. Right, and now lo and behold. <laughs> All these years later, um, oh, now I want to know which side of the debate you're going to drop on here, Aaron, uh, <laughs> as it relates to the. Uh, um, for for those of you who haven't heard, uh, we discussed it on last week's podcast, but I, I consider this either the most subtle hint in in movie history, or the most unbelievable coincidence in movie history. Peter Capaldi. Played a, a like a really small the virtu- doctor from who right the virtually yeah. <laughs> uncredited role in World War Z where he worked for the World Health Organization in that movie and was credited as W H O doctor yeah um, the most subtle hint of all time somebody maybe knew longer than they supposedly said that anybody knew about it or just the most incredible coincidence ever. I, I think that was just a universal nod that this guy was going to be the next Doctor. Because, I mean, you know, World War Z wrapped quite a while ago, which means that they would have had to have made up their mind about it. Right. Also even, quite even, even before Matt actually announced, you know, he was going to leave the show, they would have had to. I know. I think it was just a very nice, you know, little nod. And maybe, you know, maybe they knew he was so much of a Doctor Who fan. Maybe he just talked about it all the time. He was Perhaps, that big of a yeah. fan as a kid. They're like, okay, let's just credit him as, you know, just like a little, a little shout out to our right. boy Peter Capaldi there. So, I mean, you know, at any rate, it, it's a very welcome uh, surprise. It's fun. It's a fun little factoid for all the fans of, of Doctor Who to know about this guy. And that'll, I am that'll go on his really IMDb excited. page. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I'm very excited. Like my only, uh, you know, like I said, was about the the Stephen Moffat thing. Like I hope this isn't isn't like the biggest swerve, like uh, like going. Or now is like we know what he can do. Anyone who's seen, uh, you know, seen him in almost anything he does, he has a a, a very subtle amount of power right. to the way he approaches things. Like he, he can be very charming. He can be very intense. Uh, he can be you know really funny even when he's being hyper intense with someone. And you know my only. Uh, my only regret now is that 
you know, he's not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to see him on screen with Matt Smith and David Tennant in the 50th. Right. Now the, uh, I don't know if you've heard this rumor or not, because I've, I've only seen it on a couple of message boards that aren't directly linked to Doctor Who. They just had Doctor Who threads. Was this the Neil Gaiman thing? Um, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not sure what, what I've, uh, what I've been reading is that there appears to be at least amongst fans, the speculation that Peter Capaldi is somehow not playing the next doctor, but like he's going to be the first doctor or something. And this is, he's not going to be, basically it plays into your original concern that this might just be a swerve of some kind. Right. And it might not actually be him permanently going forward. Um, have you, I mean, have you heard anything remotely about that? I, I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I knew originally when they're talking about the 50th anniversary special, I heard, and, and I think we may have even mentioned it on the podcast once or twice, that there were considerations of maybe recasting some of the older doctors or the ones who weren't alive or whatever or, uh, or, or whatnot. But this is just a random theory, but I, I, I saw it on more than, in, in more than one place. And people seem to really be discussing it at length, and I was just wondering if it was literally just fan speculation, or if there's actually some kind of real rumor behind this that uh, that he's actually not going to be the going forward Doctor for seasons to come. I I, I wouldn't. I personally uh, have not heard that rumor, and uh, just from what you've told me, I'm not going to put any credence behind it. I mean, the, the no. BBC website itself, like every bit, of, every bit of media. Uh, where they've talked about Peter Capaldi, they have called him the 12th Doctor. I mean, in everything, they've called right. him the 12th Doctor. So, I mean, right. unless it's just a giant sort of, uh, you know, cover-up where Stephen Moffat, you know, he's coming into his last season, so he really wants to just start off everything with just like a gigantic bang. He's looking just a shock and awe, like left and right. You know, maybe something like that could happen, but I don't see it. There's way too many cogs involved to where there would not have been a leak or at least a pickup on some of the the, the bigger websites that publish these sort of rumors, so I, right. I, I'm leading uh, towards believing it's not real, and okay. that he will be the twelfth Doctor. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for as well. I, I think it's going to be. A, I mean, it, it's definitely a change of pace going with somebody who's a little bit older. And uh, yeah, because he's 55. And well, I, I would say he's not well known to American fans, but he has a very long career that started back in the mid 80s. Uh, and he's very, I'm in, in the, uh, in the United Kingdom and, and, and Europe and stuff. He's very well known. So, uh, he's not brand new to, to them. American audiences, I think he'll, you know, he'll be brand new to them, but unless they uh, watch a lot of stuff on Hulu. <laughs> yes. Unless they do. And, uh, well, I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about Hulu in a little bit actually, but, um, let's, uh, I w- we can't really talk a whole bunch about it because it's not like people can go back and reference it. But uh, some of the uh, some of the leaked X Men Days of Future's Past footage. <laughs> you, Sorry, you, people. <laughs> <laughs> you tried really hard to get it up there. I think it may have lasted ten seconds after you posted it, but. Yeah, I, I was able to find the Spider-Man footage again, but I really dug deep on some random Russian message board. I mean, it was. It was deep, it buried in the internet to find that again. And I've been looking for the X-Men footage to try to get it up, but it just, it's not happening. Uh, was this like the partial trailer? Is this what the footage was that you put up there, or was it like the whole thing? No, no, it was, it was just a tidbit. It was just a, a little bit just from that fan fest that they were at. And it essentially, it was Patrick Stewart as old Xavier just doing voiceovers. There was a few quick flashes, but the cast they showed was just all sort of the modern X-Men. 
Right. Like in their new kind of dystopian, like there was flashes of the world and their new fancy, you know, mostly leather outfits and all that again still. Um, so there wasn't really much of the old cast at all. I mean, and it was really just him. You could tell from the vibe of what he was saying. He was talking to his younger self, essentially telling him to believe again. Uh, you know, uh, so it uh, it was good for what it was. I just wish there was more that we could find it again so that we yes. could get further into it and sort of dissect it a little bit. But nothing doing. Oh, uh, so we did get we did get a full length trailer though for Thor: The Dark World. Oh God, yes. This was this was really great. I liked it a lot. Uh, the uh, I, I'm wondering what kind of I'm wondering what kind of uh, presence this has like online as far as like Buzz is concerned uh, and stuff like that. I know Iron Man three carried with it quite a bit, obviously because it was Iron Man. Uh, so I, to me, I think this will be, uh, just from a curiosity standpoint, to see how well Marvel really holds up post-Avengers, I think we'll really see with this movie what Avengers really did for future individual Marvel movies, because I think Iron Man 3 was going to sell no matter what, even if Avengers never happened. Uh, but I think this will be a, a really cool test to see what happens with the, the second Thor movie, if people are like... Uh, you know, we really we like the first Thor movie, but maybe he should just stick to team up films from here on out, or you know, or very well could be fuck yeah Thor. You know, uh, right. I, I'm really curious to see how uh, how it ends up performing. I think that'll say a whole lot about what the Avengers did or didn't do for uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but as far as the trailer went. Cool. We saw more Game of Thrones type influence in the, in the uh, just in kind of like how things look and were shot and the some of the locations used and things like that had a very Game of Thrones like feel to it. And I guess that's because the director uh, worked on Game of Thrones. So Alan Taylor, indeed. So uh, you know, but I don't have any. I don't have any problems with that. I love Game of Thrones. Uh, but this looked this looked pretty great. There was a. I, I, judging by the trailer, I'm not sure how useful Natalie Portman's going to be in this movie, but uh, she kind of seemed to be there. I'm, I'm I'm not sure if they gave away her biggest moment or not in the movie yet, but her slapping Loki in the face, saying that's for New York, uh, was it seemed like the height of her involvement throughout the trailer. Uh, and then they, they, they topped it all off with a, a terrific Raiders of the Lost Ark reference, or at least I'm presuming oh, I it's love Raiders. That. Oh, I presume. it had to be. Um, so yeah, your your thoughts. I like it. Um, <clears throat> I I am a little reserved so far for what we've seen from Natalie Portman in the trailer because we know there was a contract dispute with her. She did she didn't want to come back for the sequel, but they had her signed in, so they essentially strong arm her into it. Yes. So it, it, it I I I'd like to think she's professional enough to where it wouldn't affect her performance, and that's my only that's my only hesitation going into it. But from the trailer itself, it looked absolutely beautiful. Christopher Eccleston, they had some kind of really awesome effect on his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was speaking as Malaketha, the action scenes looked awesome. Like you could see a little bit of humor, you could see like just the severe intensity because you know that Loki's gonna end up dicking over Thor eventually, but you don't know like, oh my god, is he actually gonna kill him? We know that Tom Hiddleston has said he's not gonna be in the Avengers too, so I mean, you know, right. maybe you know some shit could get real. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> uh, for these guys. I mean, and like I said, uh, this could be. Um, I don't, I don't want to say a make or break movie for Marvel because they're gonna they're gonna do well either way, but. Um, you know, maybe they feel like they need to do something big in this movie. Like something big has to happen in this movie to make people talk about 
the second Thor film. Um, so it's not just a, um, so it's not just a standalone movie, like something important in the universe happens, even if it's Loki being killed or something like that. Well, the, the only way they can go with Thor is that is what they're alluding to in the end of the first one, is that they can Thor does have the ability, you know, with Odin just because the Rainbow Bridge is gone to visit these other realms. Mm-hmm. So they are able, like you know, the Dark Elves. Obviously, we've seen them in America or not in America. I'm sorry, in London, in the trailer. So these guys have possessed the magic as well. So they need to be able to go out and venture out to see these other realms. Like that's the only way they can go to it. They can't go back to you know just to earth because people are like well this is the same shit we saw last one so they they have no choice but to get bigger especially with they know guardians of galaxy is going to be their sort of you know a team buddy cop star wars kind of just holy shit uh movie coming out so really like this is their time for them to pretty much blow it out and we know that captain america the winter soldier is going to be the biggest lead in into the avengers too so i mean really like this is this is the one where they gotta they gotta step it up Indeed. Uh, let's talk about what else is on the website from this week. There wasn't a, a ton of news, but we did fill in a whole bunch of other stuff on the website as well. Uh, two brand new reviews up. And uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, was reviewed ever so kindly. I, I like to think of this as I like to think of this as the American Harry Potter. I'm not sure exactly what this is exactly. I've had no desire to see these movies. Oh, you didn't see the first one? No. I mean, is this essentially American Harry Potter? Is that what this is? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's what it sort of feels like. They're, Steph- uh, they're demigods instead of, uh, you know, wizards and witches. I mean, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. For what the movie is, it's a fantasy thing. It's a fantasy movie for teens, you know, superpowers, but they still try to find themselves. I mean, you know, they, they're okay for what they are. But, you know, comparing them to Harry Potter, I mean, it's there's just no comparison just because of how well – and how beloved the Harry Potter series was right. done and is by fans. Just comparing them is just, it, it's really not, it, it's kind of not fair, but, you know, you have no right. choice. It's, its you know, a couple of young friends, you know what I mean, uh, just in these really, you know, extraordinary situations. So the, the comparisons are going to be drawn. Uh, Steph didn't hate it. She gave it two and a half geeky <laughs> glasses, which is, um, you know, just below average. She said it's... Uh, she said it's essentially a pretty 3D storybook experience. She says uh, it succeeds in bringing the life, uh, bring to life the magic of Percy's world, which tween fans and uh, of Greek mythology and blah blah, blah and book fans, uh, people who like the books or whatever, they'll like that. But she says for the general moviegoer, do not expect a sweeping action adventure story, but merely a visually cool kitty flick, uh, and. Uh, you know, Aaron, for, for as much as you give Stephanie grief, the thing she did next is the reasons why we love her so much on this website. Because I don't know anybody on this website who would be willing to take a bullet for us like she did when she reviewed The Smurfs 2. Wow. Uh, look, Stephanie, you don't, have to, you don't have to do that in the future if you don't want to. <laughs> um, your, your sight and your hearing is important for your future and just... Just remember that it's it's just movie reviews. Um, she did not like this film, and who can who could blame her really? Well, she doesn't like any kid movies because I think she fails to remember that they're specifically for five year olds and below. I mean, you're not going to go there and see Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? Well, no, no, she. Uh, That's my real beef about it. Well, no, no, she actually loved uh, Turbo. I think she gave it like four geeky glasses. <laughs> so. Uh, and I and I think she's generally liked most of the Pixar movies or whatever by and large, 
if they aren't rehashes. And I think, you know, but I mean, most movie reviewers tend to give these movies bad reviews unless they're, you know, of the uh, the quality Pixar ilk or every once in a while DreamWorks animation rises to the occasion and does a movie that actually also appeals to adults. And I think that's what usually ends up earning it high critical praise because, and I don't know, I've had some people, I've heard some people say like, you know, well, who, you know, who cares if they appeal to adults or not because they're supposed to be kid movies. But I think what ends up earning them the, the praise isn't so much that they cater to adults as well. I think is, I think it's that, and I don't know, I've always seen it this way. It's that they're movies that you can actually grow with. Like, I've had movies I loved when I was a kid that I'd never watch now. Like I couldn't stand to watch them now, but uh, movies like Toy Story or or Up or things like that, or movies that my my now ten year old probably wouldn't care to really watch right now, but she loved when she was a kid. And there's a really good chance that when she gets older, she'll be able to watch it and then re enjoy it again, but you know on a different on a different level. Right. Uh, so I, you know, I think maybe that's why some of those movies, you know, Smurfs is obviously literally just a, you know, it's a cash grab. It's toys, product placement, you know, that sort of, that sort of stuff. Uh, even though I do like some of the cast that's in there for like voice acting and whatnot. And, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in there and John Oliver does a voice in there. So, um, you know, there's, there's cool shit in there. It's just, uh, it's, uh, n- not for the adult, I would presume. If you want to go, uh, bring your e-reader or your iPod. <laughs> just plug that shit in and let the kids uh, let the kids zombify in front of the. Like you could sit there and watch Game of Thrones as they're watching the Smurfs. Yes, uh, that is a brilliant a brilliant idea, sir. Thank you. Um, hey, let's pay uh, let's pay a bill or two, shall we? Uh, Aaron, would you say that you have uh, would you say that you have a lot or not very much time on your hands, like free time? <laughs> just just curious I would say my free time would be moderate uh, just due to uh, to work and you know the the family life so, wife you know wife baby all that so what you're saying is that there's absolutely no way you could possibly get through 30,000 movies and television shows even, even if I had all day every day to watch there's absolutely no way I could uh, well, I, I would suggest that such a thing is 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 providing quality entertainment, but at what price? I think is what is what somebody would ask. That seems like an awful lot of stuff to watch. And good lord, the cable bills are hundred dollars plus. I, Aaron, I don't know if you have a high cable bill, but I certainly do. No, uh, I, I do not. I I, I just stream. I I, uh, I utilize some very uh, very good services. See, see Aaron, service. Aaron is smart, but if you're if you're dumb like I am, <laughs> paying a big cable bill every month. Uh, but you know what? Amazon Prime gives you a whole lot more than just the thirty thousand movies and TV shows via their streaming service. That is one of the services that I uh, that I frequent. Uh, you get free free two day shipping. On literally millions of items. See, I actually I went that option. I went. I actually went with the real number, millions, instead of billions or bajillions, <laughs> uh, which I don't think are real numbers. But literally free shipping on millions of items across the Amazon storefront. Uh, if you uh, if you're a Kindle owner, you also get access to the Kindle lending library, which basically gives you free books to read all the time. Uh, and by the way, if you're like, well, I hate sitting down at the computer screen to watch 
my my streaming television, why Amazon Prime is available on just about every single other service you can think of. You have a PlayStation 3, an Xbox 360, a Wii, a Wii U, a Roku box. It's uh, basically Amazon Prime is on every third-party uh, streaming service provider that uh, that you can think of, so you can watch it right on your television set if you don't want to watch it on your uh, on your uh, your iPad or your very uh, convenient screen. And uh, you know what, Aaron? It's not it's not it's not really expensive either. They they don't work it like uh, Netflix does. Netflix charges seven ninety nine a month every month. Amazon Prime is, I believe. $79 for the year. Yep. And uh, that actually equals out to less money than Netflix. If you add up all your Netflix bills, you add up all 12 of them, you actually pay less for Amazon Prime, and it's a one-time payment. You don't have to worry about not having the money for Amazon Prime this month. You will for have free it. shipping, too, on all your purchases. Absolutely. You'll have it for a year nonstop. And one thing about Netflix is they really, like, I don't know if anyone out there who who uses Netflix is really paying attention uh, but they're they're losing a lot of a lot of rights to a lot of their content. So really, mm-hmm. you know, it. I mean, it's still a fine service, uh, but I, I feel just due to content alone, just for the streaming purposes, Amazon, it, it honestly is it is superior. The best part, Aaron. The best part about all this, you're probably asking yourself, what could actually be better than what we just told you about Amazon Prime right now? What could be better? Well, the best part about all of it is what we're asking you to do. Uh, not only helps us, but costs you zero dollars and zero cents. What? Totally free, sir. You just go to cinemageekly.com. There's a banner on the top of the website. Kind of hard to miss. Says Amazon Prime. Whole bunch of other text. <laughs> basically, the shit we just said to you. Uh, but underneath that Amazon Prime, it says start your one month free trial. You click on that. It takes you over to uh, uh, a sign-up page for Amazon Prime, and you get one free month, and Amazon will send us money just because you clicked it on our website and came over to them. They're so grateful for that, that they're going to send us money. You don't have to do anything. You just sign up for the free trial. If you don't dig it after a month uh, of use, uh, then you can you can cancel it, and you never have to go back to Amazon Prime ever again. Uh, the best part is we keep the money no matter what you decide to do, uh, but we would recommend that you, you stick around and, and use it. And by the way, uh, I have had people who have asked, the, uh, the one-month free trial is not just the free trial for the movies and the TV shows. It's the free trial for everything. The two-day shipping, you get yep. that for a month for free. You don't have to do anything. Uh, so, hey, you know what? Christmas time rolls around. Christmas but, time plus you know school also. Get, get your books and your gifts shipped for free. Yes, uh, nice and fast and easy and totally free. So you can do that by heading over to cinemageekly.com, click the banner at the top of the page, sign up for your one-month free trial of Amazon Prime, and uh, we get some we get some cash back from Amazon just for, for sending you over there. Bills paid. <laughs> M- moving forward on the Cinema Geekly podcast this week, Aaron, we have a couple of emails that we're, uh, oh. we're going to answer. I don't know how... How thoroughly you are going to be able to answer the first question as it relates to Star Trek, and uh, if you have still not gotten around to seeing Star Trek Into Darkness, especially hard for you to answer. Oh, then I'll, I'll defer to you, my friend. Um, I wish I could get this dude's uh, username uh, from where he, uh, what he posts under, because I, I just have the email through his. Uh, uh, I just have the email through his. Uh, or his his real name through his email here, 
Um, Eric Marte, and it is not the list where he is from, <clears throat> um, but he says that uh, he chats with me every once in a while. I, I post on a, a great website for Star Trek fans to check out. It's called trekbbs.com. It's a okay. ginormous message board, and shitloads of people post about Star Trek from all variations of, of time periods and series and films. Uh, it's ginormous, uh, and uh, Star Trek fans congregate there often and talk. Uh, and, uh, he said, notice that you had a movie website linked in your, yes, I've shamelessly plugged the movie website in any profiles that I have on the <laughs> internet. Uh, all traffic is good traffic. And, uh, <laughs> wanted to get your, wanted to get your input. Uh, in, well, I, he says in person here, but it's not really in person, but I, I think he, I, I know what you're, I know what you're getting at. Um, the uh, okay, so basically the question uh, it's a it's like three paragraphs, so I'm not going to read all of the paragraphs. Uh, message boards conversations were uh, belong on message boards, I, I think, but uh, basically it was uh, stemming from this conversation. It's I don't know if it's a conversation or, or an argument, uh, but there are a lot of people. I think we've talked about this in the past that dislike the new J.J. Abrams movies, who think that oh. he has veered too far away from what the original intent of Star Trek was. Uh, in his movies, and he thinks that uh, a lot of people think that they are all uh, flash and bang, and there's no real story. And Star Trek uh, was famous for allegory; they did allegory all the time. Uh, I don't know if you saw the episode of the the aliens who were half black and half white, uh, <laughs> but I, I bet you could get it what what they were an allegory for. Yeah, I think I can wager a guess. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Uh, they did. You know, allegory about Vietnam and all sorts of stuff like that. And people are like, you know, that sort of thing is missing from Star Trek now. J.J. Uh, Abrams has wiped that stuff off of the map. It's now. It's more. What's more important is the CGI and stuff like that. And uh, I, I maintain uh, to this day that uh, while all of that stuff is in there, the the flash and the bang and all the pretty CG effects, uh, while all of that stuff is in there. The, the other stuff is still there. It's just that J.J. Abrams has found a, a mix between the two of them. And I think since people are, especially older fans, are inherently against, uh, you know, CG and effects-driven films, that they either don't look for the allegory or just presume that it's not there without ever looking for it. Uh, but I, I contend, and I will, in fact, satiate your appetite, Eric, that there is, in fact, allegory in Star Trek Into Darkness. And there's a couple of big ones. And to me, I thought they were just, like, right in your face, super obvious. Um, you have two... Uh, okay, so you have uh, an organization that is great on paper, the United Federation of Planets, <laughs> which, in this movie, I believe, is an allegory for the United States government. Uh, a, a nation that is great on paper, but sometimes people get into power who are not necessarily all that great of, you know, a great leader or a great person or et cetera. In this case, it would be Admiral Marcus in this movie um, is the is the bad guy. And Admiral in Star Trek Into Darkness, Admiral Marcus thinks that a war with Klingons is inevitable and essentially puts into place a plan to make sure that the war happens. Uh, you know, using false pretense and things like that, which um, if you were against any of the Middle Eastern wars recently, I think you could see where they got such an idea from for this movie. 
uh, war under false pretense or something like that obviously is a uh, whether or not you believe that that's the case you can't deny that that's a topic of conversation uh, debates that people have and uh, they're have they're having that same debate in this movie and then there's also uh, they basically brought up the Osama bin Laden debate using uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Khan which was essentially um, you know we've done all of this stuff we've fought these wars was it all really worth it for one guy like how much is too much to get one guy um they don't really say like it is or it w- we should have done more or we shouldn't have done anything in the first place it wasn't worth it they don't really say any of those things in the movie star trek would always just bring up the debate and which would then allow people to nerdily debate them on message boards Apparently for years and years on end, uh, without without cessation. But uh, yes, there were in fact allegories, uh, modern day allegories. I'll, I'll, and my point is, I I've always thought it was kind of. I don't think they need to do it now. I mean, it's the information age now. They don't really need to bring up debate in a world where people are constantly debating anyway, thanks to the internet. Uh, but you know, it's in there. Uh, so if that's what you want to watch Star Trek for, if you want to watch it and pick out like a philosophical debate, it's in there. Uh, <laughs> it's not really, you know, like if I want to have those debates, I have those debates with friends while we're talking about politics. Uh, with Star Trek, I tend to turn off, turn off my brain and just enjoy. If it's a good story, if it's a good movie, then it's good. Uh, Star Trek, the last Star Trek movie for me was. I loved it a lot, but uh, for people who are not we're not happy that the allegory and the where's the discussion and the intellectual is it's in there. It's they've just they have, in fact, dimmed it down a little bit to actually make it a little bit more fun uh, for all the people who thought Star Trek was boring, which apparently there was a lot of. So uh, I'm not one of them, but there, in fact, are lots of people who did think it was boring. Uh, Madness. Okay. Yes. How dare you? How dare you say Star Trek? The motion picture was boring. Sure, there was uh, sure there was one ten minute shot of the camera just flying around the the Enterprise with nobody saying anything or doing anything. It was just a ten minute beauty pass. But how dare you say that was boring? Absolutely, sir. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we have a repeat question from Faison in New York State. Hello again, Faison. He wrote us back. Uh, he writes, <laughs> "Thanks for answering my question. Had no idea you guys talked this much about Doctor Who." <laughs> I've only been a Whovian since Christopher Eccleston, but I have, thanks to Netflix and Amazon, watched some of the older Doctor Who. I'm, Tom Baker I, stuff was brilliant. I'm with him, I'm with him here. It it may take even more because uh, he's like it's taking time to uh to readjust, and I I'm I'm with him here. It it, it doubly triply takes more time to readjust because we're talking about older shows and uh even worse visual effects and things like that. Um, so I agree. I have, I have gone back and tried to watch some of it, although I've noticed that it's difficult to find extended portions, especially the old, like the really old seasons. They only have like select episodes. If, uh, if you go just right to, <clears throat> excuse me, the, 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 on Amazon, or for those of you who have, uh, who have Netflix? There's a separate listing for Doctor Who. Like they, they, they have two of them. One picks up with Eccleston, and the other one just focuses on essentially anything and everything they could find from you know the quote-unquote original Doctors. Yes, 
Uh, okay, so Faison's question is, having seen... <laughs> okay, he says, I don't even know if this is answerable. Uh, and especially not by me, because I have such... Uh, I haven't dipped my toes into the water this far yet. He's like... <laughs> uh, he says, uh, his question is, but... Uh, having watched more older Doctor Who, who would you say has been the best Doctor thus far? I'm going with Tom Baker, he says. So that's a that's a very valid, a very valid argument in terms of who the best Doctor would be. Uh, Tom Baker has long been a fan favorite. He's even the favorite Doctor of the current fan favorite, David Tennant. Right. Uh, you know, which has to be difficult for David Tennant to say, given that his father-in-law also played. Uh, the doctor. Um, I, I think William Hartnell offered. You know, obviously he was the first, so he had a very unique take on it. Uh, a lot of them just had really. They were all really good at, at different things. Um, you know, Tom Baker was very. Or David Tennant was very similar to Tom Baker, whereas they shared a lot of uh, similar mannerisms. You know what I mean? Like uh, with with his humor, with uh, his, his playfulness, but he also had had a real knack just for you know. Kind of being really just intense uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the times out of nowhere. So I mean, it uh, Jesus, the, the best doctor. That's uh, I mean, I've only got three wow. to go. I only really have three to go off of since I have not really dipped my toes. I've I've only seen literally I think one or two episodes uh, from previous Doctor Who. So I mean, for me, it's David Tennant right now. But I haven't gotten to see uh, any other ones. Uh, but for me, it's David Tennant right now. And I know that's a uh, very small sample size to go off. D- D- David Tennant is the, the most popular choice, uh, you know, on, on any any fan poll I've seen essentially uh, ever created. Uh, Tom Baker used to be it, but I think like in the past like five six years, uh, David Tennant's really overtaken. I think as more people have gone back and been able to essentially compare them side by side, mm-hmm. given like they could watch a, a couple of, of the Tom Baker runs and then watch a couple of David Tennant's. I mean, right. they're. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. Peter Davison was very was very good. Uh, a lot like Matt Smith, he had a an innocence about the way he portrayed the Doctor, like as a kind of very boyish, uh, and a lot of the things he did. I mean, it's Jesus. It, yeah, that's that's a tough question. I I, I think for me, I'd almost uh, I'd have to tip my hat to the two newer Doctors with David Tennant and Matt Smith, mm-hmm. as far as uh, the New Age. Eccleston, I thought. Uh, he, I would like to see him come back just for maybe you know just for one more year because I thought he was he he was very not unique but uh, a lot of the playfulness for the Doctor it was pretty controlled I mean most times like this dude like he really played Doctor Who like you could feel the remorse from him essentially coming straight off of the time or uh, you know he where he really did he felt like he was running like he, you know there was something behind him he didn't want to he didn't want to turn back and look so. It. Uh, I, I loved what he did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Faison has uh, an amazing postscript here that I did not <laughs> notice until just now. Okay. Uh, he writes, P.S., do you think anybody would answer Paul McGann? Wow. Uh, I, I would say Paul McGann would be disqualified alone just based upon his hair and the fact that Eric <laughs> Roberts played the master. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Sylvester McCoy uh, is sort of my dark horse favorite. Uh I don't know if you've been able to see any of the things he did. He he had uh, 
he had some of the better moments. He he might have been the biggest doctor bastard, where yeah. he was really yeah he he his running the doctor. He did a lot of fucked up stuff. I mean, <laughs> just wow. go back and watch. Like the the doctor was was really kind of evil uh, in a lot of to his companions uh, in some of the earlier runs. So it's uh it was interesting. But I, I think so far, uh, Tenet was very good. Matt Smith would probably uh is probably up there. Um. But yeah, Tom Baker was, is a really, really, really solid choice. But uh, I'd say it, it's got to be a toss-up in between, you know, one of the newer doctors, uh, Eccleston, Tenner, or Smith. I mean, th- depending on my mood, how I'm feeling that day, you know, there's one I love more. Uh, but yeah, they're goddamn, they're all good. You know what I mean? I, I sound like such a fanboy right now, but I mean, you know, they're all good. Uh-huh. But like I said, yeah. Faison, if you're listening, go back and watch some of the Sylvester McCoy stuff and just see just how he treated – even Peter Davison too. Like just how they treated some of their companions uh, in some of the earlier runs. Like they were just straight – Colin Baker was – man, just go back and watch a lot of the early ones. I, I know a lot of them are hard to get through just given upon their, their production value, how it's really just kind of campy. But I mean you know, if you love you know this island Earth and movies of that ilk just with like the really bad kind of – even like some of the first Star Trek stuff, you mm-hmm. know, just, just really bad sets. The costumes are obvious, but just the stories it tells in itself because uh, they didn't have the effects back then. So they had to focus more on the story. It's just so yep. – like holy shit! Like you marathon them, you just sit back, like blown away. Like oh my god! Like you know, it's it's really compelling stuff. Uh, at the risk of making this the Hoovians from Whoville podcast, because uh, <laughs> we really don't want to do that. But working title, uh, <laughs> copyright, Cinema Geekly. Uh, <laughs> in the risk at the at the risk of doing that, I just want to say, Aaron, victory is yours. I have now finally, uh, I have caught up to where you are. I have completed all of Doctor Who. Uh, at least from Christopher Eccleston on. Oh, nice. Jen and, Jen and I watched The Name of the Doctor uh, sometime after last week's podcast. And, uh, yeah, we are now, we are now uh, where you are, waiting for the, uh, the 50th anniversary uh, Christmas special. So, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the surprise of John Hurt was, was ruined for me in advance. But uh, it was still a pretty tremendous scene. Uh, even if you knew what was going to happen, and Jen did not know what was going to happen, so she was genuinely shocked. Well, especially uh, now knowing, you know, what we have sort of been tipped about. I believe there was an audible "Holy shit!" Uh, yeah. when he turns around, <laughs> and it's like introducing John Hurt as the Doctor, and <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was tremendous. Uh, so yeah, we are we are really looking forward to it. So yes, another thing to talk about very regularly on the Cinema Geekly podcast. So let's talk about this breaking news uh, that we have here, because it's like doubly, triply breaking, uh, sort of. Vin Diesel changed his cover photo on his Facebook page to a picture of Groot of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. (laughs) Yes, he did. uh, About an hour ago, and having gone there, again, I clicked on it, and 51 minutes ago, he has changed it again to a picture of his eyes. What an asshole! God, this guy's such a troll. Uh, <laughs> Son of a bitch. So it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, but sorry if you're listening, Vin. I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we would all agree that he would be totally fine in that role, especially voice acting or whatever. Especially uh, anyone who's seen Iron Giant. I mean, you know, that, that's right. essentially like you know, you can close your eyes and picture Groot, you know, talking right. as that guy. God, what a troll! Jesus <laughs> Christ. Okay, so here's the thing, though, that I, I want to – because I don't know a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy, but judging by the comments here on his page mm-hmm. about this, a lot of people are telling me that what's the big deal? Groot only has three things he ever says. I, I am, am Groot. Groot. Yeah. Um, would 
so would they cast somebody like Vin Diesel to literally just say I am Groot? Or if do you the think they powerful enough? Sure. Or, or do you think that they would break canon and have Groot say more things than just I am Groot? I mean, he's not going to start going off on like some Shakespearean soliloquies or anything. You know what no, I mean? No, no, so, no, no, right? J- you know, just if he says something more than you know, I am Groot. If he grunts a couple of the phrases, uh, sure, you know, has some terrible really... one-liners. If right? Yeah, yeah. Punches, no, that three punches someone in the forest. Right. Does anyone? Does anyone feel it? Right. It says got wood <laughs> as he's smashing stuff. No, the, a lot of the one-liners I'm sure will, will be left to. Uh, <clears throat> to Star Lord and to Rocket Raccoon, but I mean, you know, it. If they want someone who has a powerful voice, sure. You know, why the fuck not be Vin Diesel? I mean, you know, huh. just because he does a voice uh, of Groot where he says like the three words doesn't mean he can't further appear in a Marvel movie. So why not just test the waters with him and you know, right? And let it uh, roll. Or go with Liam Neeson. He also has an amazing voice. He really does. In front of you, who have have you ever seen uh, Liam Neeson? Speed of Liam Neeson. Uh, Life too short. The, no. the TV show they did with uh, with Warwick Davis, the Ricky Gervais show, no, is essentially a, a mockumentary style TV show where they follow uh, Warwick Davis playing himself and just uh, him trying to be an actor uh, in in London and try to reclaim his career uh, as you know one of the most famous uh, you know little person uh, you know uh, dwarvish actors. Uh, it's just uh, it's the funniest show, and he encounters like a lot of big Hollywood stars of guests on you, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Little or. Uh, she was Stephen Merchant and Ron a lot. Johnny Depp's been on there. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Uh, if you YouTube it, uh, I'm sure it's on there. Uh, Liam Neeson decides he wants to get into comedy, so he's meeting with Ricky Gervais. Oh, okay. Uh, and just the 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 five minute scene he has with Ricky Gervais and Warwick Davis m- might be some of the darkest, but some of the funniest shit I think mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais has ever been involved in. Wow. It. Well, that's uh, cool. It's so bad. Like he wants to, Liam Neeson wants to improv with Ricky Gervais, and he essentially just uh, he can't, he can't not improv that he has AIDS. It's just, it's so funny. Hmm. I mean, I know it doesn't sound <laughs> that funny, but uh, from the description of like, oh, it's hilarious. He has AIDS, right. but no, it's it, it, he's still Liam Neeson, like taking you know, I'm gonna go punch a wolf in tents, right. but trying to do comedy. It's just, it's the most ridiculous thing, but it's so good. Um. I got some. I got something here that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to me because I'm a big fan of the TV show House, uh, which was uh, we've talked about this before. When uh, I think it was CBS or whatever wanted to do the Sherlock show in America. Uh, what was that called? Uh, elementary. Elementary, elementary right? Um, and and I argued already that uh, they don't need to do a show about Sherlock in America because they already did one. Was called House. Yep. Which is essentially Sherlock Holmes. Uh, instead of Holmes, it was House. Instead of uh, Watson, it was Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, the first episode, the last name of the girl in the first episode was Adler, which yep. I presume was a a, uh, a nod to Irene Adler. So, yep. um, but there, CBS is doing another medical show. I don't know how the hell they're going to do this, but this is crazy to me. According to Deadline, is it sure, called Home? No. Uh, Sherlock producers. So this is, I presume, producers from like Stephen the BBC Moffat? show. Is that what they're talking about? No, uh, Carol Beverly and Sarah Timberman. So uh, when they say Sherlock, I don't know if they're referring to the BBC show or not. Because um, when I hear Sherlock, I think Stephen Moffat, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, they uh, they're working with CBS on a. No, B- she does. She does elementary. 
Oh, okay. So when they put Sherlock in quotes, what they meant yep. to say was elementary. Gotcha. Correct. Working with CBS on a New York City-based medical soap titled Dorothy. Not much else is known about the project just yet, except that the characters of Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion, oh. and the rest of the Wizard of Oz gang will be used as character inspiration. Uh, and this, they said this is following on the heels of Sci-Fi announcing that it is going to be working on a miniseries called Warriors of Oz, which oh. will center around a warrior who is transported to the post-apocalyptic future Oz where he must team up with three other warriors called Heartless, Brainless, and Coward in is order to by, defeat the evil wizard. Is this by the, the, the Sharkpocalypse people? The, I think it would do Sharknado. I think it might be. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, Glenn, if you're listening, buddy, this is your movie to watch. I am not going <laughs> to sit down for that. Yes. Uh, wow. Speaking of Sharknado, you told me that off the air that you have the name <laughs> for the new Sharknado movie. I do. It's been announced. Uh, the sequel is going to be Sharknado 2, the second one. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, they went They went with the obvious choice. They're just not – like, just no shits will be given by these people. They're, <laughs> they're not even trying anymore. <laughs> they went – maybe uh, – Maybe that's too. Maybe that's too hipster. Uh, maybe they went too obvious on on the nose with that one. Uh, maybe there would be an internet backlash that it wasn't stupid enough, or maybe that it was too stupid. Uh, I'm not sure. It's it's always hard to tell with uh, with the Sharknado folks. I don't know if that's too stupid or if it's just stupid enough. <laughs> It may it may be in the Goldilocks zone of stupid movie names. Uh, so the name of the show you're talking about is it's Dorothy. They're calling it Dorothy, yeah. And apparently they're using the Wizard of Oz characters as mm -hmm. inspiration. So obviously there'll be somebody who's uh, cowardly or you know something like that. Um, I I really don't see that transforming into a medical genre type show. Uh, but then again, it said soap. And if oh. it's a soap opera, then, you know, who knows what we're getting ourselves into. But What the hell? <laughs> well, to make you make you feel all better inside, Aaron, let's talk about the top of the box office from last week. Uh, I don't know how well this is actually going to make you feel, but we'll find out. Uh, the the bottom, number <laughs> it's 10. It's Grown Ups 2, number 1 now. Is there, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell me. No, in fact, there's good news if you hate Grown Ups 2. Oh, good. Uh, number 10, we have Pacific Rim, made $4.5 million. The Heat still pulling in some money with Melissa McCarthy and uh, Sandra Bullock, four point six million. Red Two did five point six million. I think that was a disappointment uh, that did not do better. Uh, Grown Ups, oh excuse me, Turbo made six point two million. Grown Ups Two has finally stopped making double digits. Oh, Christ! It only did seven point nine million last week. Despicable Me Two did ten million. The Conjuring. Uh, 13 million. The Smurfs, two third place, 17.5 million. The Wolverine fell to second place at 21.3 million. And two guns with uh, Marky Mark and uh, Denzel Washington to 27 million was the top of the box office. And uh, opening, uh, opening this week, uh, we talked about it off the air, but uh, Lovelace is opening, I believe, in limited release. Uh, with uh, Amanda Seyfried and uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Also opening the, it really looks like a Pixar movie, but trust us, it's not Planes <laughs> is opening. Uh, it's not. It just looks like it is and sounds like it is, and it, but it's not. I'm starring, glad you said that. I really thought it was a Pixar movie. <laughs> starring Dane Cook as the, the lead uh, plane person. So if you don't like Dane oh. Cook, avoid heartily. Uh, the only way that movie could be good is if it crashes into a fiery ball of flames in the first 30 seconds. 24% on the tomato meter for planes. Uh, also opening We're the Millers with Jennifer Aniston, Jason Sudeikis, and a whole bunch of other cameos. Uh, that's uh, That's got 41% on the tomato meter. Uh, we've got a review for it up on the website. Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters is uh, is opening this weekend. 34% on the tomato meter. Jesus. And uh, the one I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit, uh, Elysium with Matt Damon, Jodie Foster. It's doing 65% on the tomato meter. So this is not doing nearly as good critically as uh, Neil Blomkamp's first flick, District 9, did. Right. Uh, and a lot of people are saying Jodie Foster is uh, terrible in this. Huh. Like she's just got like she's not good at all. Um, but outside of that, uh, people seem to like it. Uh, after the heady sci-fi thrills of District 9, Elysium is a bit of a comedown for director Neil Blomkamp, but on its own terms, it delivers just often enough to, to satisfy. Boy, if that's not a middle-of-the-road synopsis, Seriously. I don't know what is. I mean, I've heard everybody say that it's like, oh, it's really good. It's not as good as District 9, but it's really good. And then I've heard a lot of people are like, oh, it's like Neil Blomkamp did Transformers. It's just blowy-up shit with not a lot else to it. Uh, so I've heard kind of uh, all of the in-betweens on, uh, on that. Uh, Blu-ray releases. Uh, first for August the 13th, 2012, flick from Lionsgate Emperors on Blu-ray. Flashdance, Aaron, from Warner Paramount. Who would not want to relive that on Blu-ray? I know, I can't wait. Hatchet 3 from Dark Sky Films and MPI Home Video. Uh I guess somebody inserted a joke about not knowing there was a Hatchet or Hatchet 2, because I, I did not. Actually, uh, I, I, I have uh, – I may or may not have been privy uh, to a few minutes of Hatchet 3. This is, in fact, the uncut and unrated edition. So Yeah, I don't think it's going to make it any better. FYI. <laughs> um, the original – Muppet movie, the thirty, the near, excuse me, the nearly thirty-fifth anniversary edition is out on Blu-ray from Disney. Uh, that's a picker-upper, especially if you got kids and they watched that last Muppet movie and really liked it. Yeah, they need, they need to see the early stuff. Absolutely. Um, the Jennifer Morrison uh, television show, Once Upon a Time, the complete second season from ABC, is on Blu-ray. Have you ever seen this show? The Jennifer Morrison one. Yeah, where it's like she's a storybook. Character, no, sort of. No, haven't quite sat down to, to check it out yet. No, same here. Uh, Paramount and Warner present The Presidio on Blu-ray. Uh, it's a 2013 flick. Um, actually, you know what? This isn't a 2013 flick. I, I'm Actually, you know what? I wonder what the story is on this. Um, because it says 2013 here on the Amazon page for it, but it lists Sean Connery as the actor... And the cover is definitely a much younger-looking Sean Connery, but it lists the release date of this film as 2013. And normally, if it's an older film, it'll say, you know, Presidio on Blu-ray, and then it'll say, like, 1986 or something like that. I'm wondering if this is, like, some flick that never got released and is now getting released. That's got to it, it, 
Wow, that's got to be the original, right? Because like Presidio came out in '88, didn't it? Wasn't it him and Mark Harmon? Yeah, Mark Harmon. Yeah. Yeah, that came out like way. Yeah, '90. That's '88. That's way, way back when. I'm wondering if it's just a uh, either maybe it never got released ever, which I have to presume that it did, but uh, or maybe it's just a typo from uh, Amazon. Got to be a typo. Uh, Paramount and Warner releasing the 1953 Western classic Shane on Blu-ray. Oh. That's a, that's a classic Western. I'm not a big Western guy, but I know the big movies, and I know Shane was uh, – that's like a huge one. Uh, it was fantastic. And, uh, hey, if you can't get enough of Sam Jackson, Paramount and Warner is releasing Shaft from 2000. Christian Bale's in that one, too. Don't forget that. Is he? I he never is. watched it. I'm completely <laughs> stunned now. Does he have the bat voice in this movie? You know, it might be better if he did, but he does not. <laughs> you know what, Shaft? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, and uh, because um, there's a, an odd release date in here, a couple of movies for August the 20th. Epic from Fox is coming out on Blu-ray and 3D Blu-ray. And the complete third season of Boardwalk Empire from HBO and Warner Brothers. People keep telling me I gotta watch Boardwalk Empire. I've not gotten around to doing it, but a lot of people keep saying, "Check it out." Um, I haven't been let down by anything I've watched on HBO yet. Mike, uh, Michael Shannon's supposed to be just uh, like a freight train in that show. Mm-hmm. So if you liked him as Zod, may want to give him a go on that. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen it, but uh, I mean, like I said, I, I haven't seen anything bad from from HBO yet. I'm still waiting to, to check out a show that hasn't been any good, but I'd say fly of the concords was one of their worst. That wasn't that great. There you go. Well, I haven't checked it out yet. Now, <laughs> Don't waste your time. <laughs> now I will know to avoid it. Keeping the streak intact. All right. Uh, well, that'll wrap things up for this week. You can check us out on the dot com as per usual, cinemageekly.com. And we are also on Facebook, Twitter, Google plus, and the Tumblr all at Cinema Geekly. And, of course, we're on iTunes. Uh, you can totally find us on there. And, uh, of course, rate, review, subscribe uh, to the podcast. But really rate and review because uh, that will yes, help please. out our – that will help out the, uh, the search results, the rankings on iTunes. And uh, the better we do on there, uh, you know, the more eyes – get to see cinema geekly and you can share us with all of your friends yeah don't uh, hesitate to send us your questions or anything either no and you know what and if you're crotchety and you hate social media and you're like fuck facebook and twitter and google plus and tumblr and pinterest and uh and all that other crazy shit friendster and myspace uh if those are still around uh if you hate those things you can get a hold of us the uh, the old-fashioned way at least as old-fashioned as the internet gets you can email us info at cinemageekly.com or uh, hit the contact button or the contact us button on the Cinema Geekly website. Uh, it's hard to get more old school internet than that. The email, which I'm not sure anybody uses anymore, but uh, if you do, you can uh, contact us that way and send your questions in. You can also message us via Facebook and Twitter as well uh, and send direct messages and uh, any of the other social networks as well if you have uh, questions or topics of discussion. It doesn't even have to be a question. You can be like, hey, monkeys. Uh right. Discuss Babylon 5, and right. you know, we'll have no choice but to research it and, and to, to watch episodes and then discuss it on the podcast. Because we bow to you. Unless you want me to see Grown Ups, because I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless somebody's like, hey, watch and review Grown Ups too. 
then we may not do it. We may not lose. We may have to risk losing you as a listener. I'll put that for Glenn. That'll go in his bad movie pile. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that in his. Uh, we'll put that in his bin. He can. Uh, he can. He can eat that particular bullet for us. <laughs> uh, for Aaron DeLos, this is Anthony Lewis. Thanks for checking us out, and we'll be back next week on the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Hey, Cinema Geekly listener, it's Anthony Lewis. Have you ever asked yourself, Self, I'd really like to support CinemaGeekly.com. I love the content. I love the podcasts. It's all great. I love it. I just don't want to use that donate button at the top of the page. Yes, there is one. But nobody uses that. Uh, maybe because you're afraid of, uh, of going through a, a company like PayPal. Maybe you don't trust PayPal. I think it's cool to trust PayPal. I use it all the time. But you know what? Some people might not trust PayPal, and that's fine. So now you're depressed. You'll want to help out CinemaGeekly.com. You want to help out the site you love so much. But you just can't. There isn't a way. Well, you know what? We've brought a way to you. If you shop on Amazon.com. And at this point, I'm not sure who doesn't. Amazon has a gajillion products available to people just like you and me. From movies, video games. You want to watch movies? Buy a TV, Blu-ray player. You can get any of that stuff from Amazon. You can buy like a kayak uh, from Amazon. There's literally something for everybody. If you're like me, you've got Amazon.com bookmarked. But you know what? I say to you, throw that bookmark away. Just go to cinemageekly.com. On the right-hand side of our page, there's a big button with the Amazon logo. You just click that. It takes you to Amazon like normal. You shop like normal. There's no extra cost to you whatsoever. But for every purchase you make through that link on the cinemageekly.com website, Amazon is going to shave off 8 to 10% of that purchase and give it right back to Cinema Geekly. So if you are looking for a way to uh, help out your favoritist website in the whole wide universe or multiverse or hooniverse, then look no further. Click that button on the right side of cinemageekly.com. Buy yourself some cool shit from amazon.com and help out Cinema Geekly all at the same time.